So I've been thinking about um, when my children were little, something about almost being a grandmother, kind of uh, almost, within a few days, um, reminds me of when my children are young, and I thought of something very painful that maybe some of you will also remember. It had to do with a trip to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, that's right. Do you remember Chuck E. Cheese? When all the tokens are gone, when every ride's been tried, every bop em on the head and throw balls at him game has been played, and now comes the time that every parent and grandparent dreads. It's time to take these tickets that have been spit out by the games to count them and redeem them for some glorious prize. Yuck. What a headache, right? I remember taking my boys to that counter and I would just be dreading the time because I knew it was going to take forever. They would stand there at that prize counter clutching those tickets and there I'd be. No, honey, you don't have enough tickets for that toy. No, you don't have enough tickets for that toy either. You do have enough for one of these or two of these. Let's trade in your tickets. Hurry up, honey. Mommy wants to go home. Meanwhile, my boys would just be pressed to the glass, staring at the prizes, these wonderful prizes, right? Seriously weighing their options. You know, it always surprised me when my boys struggled with this because after all, they, they usually knew what they wanted. But for some reason, letting go of those tickets, committing themselves to only one or two prizes, it was excruciating. Because while holding on to the tickets, the possibilities were endless, right? But once the tickets were redeemed, well, it's all over. They're stuck with the prize, no matter how cheap or how quick it broke. It's really an important childhood lesson, isn't it? Committing yourself to something does mean giving up other things, right? If you're committing to getting a good grade on that science test, you might have to give up a video game or two after school. If you're committed to your partner, you don't spend time checking out other people. If you're committed to your family, some of your hobbies are gonna go unattended. If you're committed to a particular goal in your career, other work will be abandoned along the way. And if you're a good friend, I mean a really good friend, you're probably gonna miss out on other friendships because of the time and the energy that you're gonna pour into that one dearest friend. In fact, unless you're really, really wealthy or willing to take on huge debt, every time you make a purchase, you're committing to something and giving up something else. Am I right? But the problem is we live in a society, in a culture that increasingly gives us more and more options, that encourages us to collect commitments and ideologies and values like prizes in a video arcade, never letting go of anything. A society that teaches us more is better, that you can have it all, that you can believe it all, that you can be committed to it all. 
It's almost like we stand in line at the ticket redemption center in an arcade, clasping our tickets. Do we really have to choose? Isn't one answer just as good as another? Can I have it all? Can I believe it all? Can I devote myself to many things? Well, let's see what Jesus has to say, shall we? Will you pray with me? Gracious God, open our ears and hearts by the power of your spirit to hear the difficult words of Jesus and to hear your invitation to a devoted life. Amen. From the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, All who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still very far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. They throw it away. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Wow, Jesus, say it isn't so. I mean, hate my family, hate my life, give up my possessions. Isn't that a little extreme, a little over the top? No, says Jesus. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. At least you can't say Jesus is unclear, can you? So maybe if we go to the Greek, maybe it will help us a little bit. There are, after all, two Greek words that can both be translated in English as hate. And here Jesus uses the Greek word meseo, which can be translated to love less or to denounce, not just to hate. So perhaps Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must love your father, your mother, your children, your spouse less than me. You must love your life less than me. Maybe that's better than hating, but it's still a tall order, isn't it? If you want to follow me, count the cost, Jesus says. There are things that you will have to give up. If you want to follow me, pick up your cross and be ready to die, Jesus says. 
die to your pride, to your intelligence, to your point of view, to your sense of what is important and what needs to be done. In other words, Jesus says there's a tremendous difference between following Jesus and being a Jesus fan. Following Jesus comes with aversion. In other words, when you say yes to Jesus, you have to say no to other things. But if you're a Jesus fan, there are no demands. Jesus fans don't turn away from anything. They just add Jesus to an already undifferentiated stockpile of good things and commitments. Well, friends, that's not how it works. In Scripture, we've been reading the Gospel of Luke for a long time now, and we know that Jesus pressed hard decisions on would-be disciples all the time, testing the depth of their conviction or the shallowness of their devotion. And in reality, Jesus asked for two things of his would-be disciples, two things over and over again. He asks for singular devotion, singular devotion and strenuous intention. Singular devotion and strenuous intention. You see, Jesus doesn't need more fans. He has plenty of fans all over the world. What Jesus wants, disciples, followers, people like you and like me who can be singularly devoted to God with a strenuous intention to be part of God's work in the world. Let's look at those two things. What does it mean to be singularly devoted? Do you know who this is? Yeah, Luciano Pavarotti. Maybe this will help. This is how we normally see him in his tux with a microphone, right? One of the greatest singers of our generation. He writes this. When I was a boy, my father, a baker, introduced me to the wonder of music. And he urged me to work very hard to develop my voice. A professional tenor in my hometown took me as a student. And I also enrolled in a teacher's college. On graduating, Pavarotti writes, I asked my father, Father, shall I be a teacher or a singer? Luciano, my father replied, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. One chair. Pavarotti writes, I chose one. And it took seven years of study and frustration before I ever made a professional appearance. And then it took another seven years to reach the Metropolitan Opera. And now I think whether it's laying bricks or writing a book, whatever we choose, we must give ourselves to it completely. Commitment, that's the key. Choose one chair. That, my friends, is singular devotion. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You just, you just can't. 
There's truly a difference between a Jesus fan and a committed disciple of Christ. And it begins with a choice, a focus, a yes of singular devotion that takes over your life and takes priority in your life. To be my disciple, says Jesus, means devotion, love for me, for God's kingdom that is stronger than any other love. Jesus also said, to be my disciple, you must carry your cross and follow me. Carry your cross and follow me. That, my friends, is strenuous intention. Perhaps you recognize this famous painting. I'm sure you do. It graces what used to be a dining room wall of a convent in Milan, Italy, and we know it as Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper. It took da Vinci four years to complete this painting. You may not know why, as he was finishing the painting, almost done, a friend came to see the painting and he was just mesmerized by it. He commented on how incredibly moving the painting was. And he said to da Vinci, especially that silver cup on the table, it's brilliant, it's beautiful. My eyes were immediately drawn to that cup. On hearing this, da Vinci was so angry that he immediately got up, got a paintbrush, and blotted out the cup in the middle of his almost finished painting. You see, the focus of the painting was to be Jesus, not the cup. All attention was to be drawn to Jesus. Anything that detracted from him had to be removed. Da Vinci had a strenuous intention to highlight Christ and Christ alone. If you look closely at the painting, I guarantee you will hardly notice the teeny little cup on this table in the middle of this painting. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Friends, Jesus doesn't pull any punches here, does he? He says, I don't want fans. I don't want admirers. What I want is for you to be as devoted to God as I am as I make my way to the cross. What I want is for you to make a strenuous intention to serve God as I make this intention to go to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, I ask you this, not to make you miserable, not to make you hate the rest of your life or this world, not to make you a, a killjoy or a person who has no vivid life within them. I ask you this because I want you to have real life, abundant life, eternal life, 
And I want to give you rest. I want to give you peace. You see, my yoke, Jesus says, is easy and my burden is light. Because in singular devotion and in strenuous intention, there's no confusion. There's no grasping of tickets. There's no competition, no struggle, no consternation. And there is, there is the immense possibility of great beauty. Like an aria sung by the amazing tenor Pavarotti. Like a painting by the master Leonardo da Vinci. Like the legacy of a Mother Teresa or a Dr. King or a Dietrich Bonhoeffer or the thousands of unnamed saints of God that lived lives of devotion and intention and friends left us a better world. And now, now it's our turn to follow Jesus. Let those with ears to hear listen. Amen.